0: that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boati as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Wow. Father, we are grateful. Thank you for the blessing that we have. To be able to continue in in peace. Together in peace. Whether NDC or NPP. Or GUM. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you Father. For your blessings Lord. For hearing our prayer. And for keeping this country in peace. We are grateful and we are thankful. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thanks a million Lord. Thanks a million Lord. Thanks a million, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you for the ministry of your word and the ministry of your spirit today. We give you glory. We give you praise, even in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all that you have done for us as a country, as a nation. We are grateful and we are thankful. Thank you that the next four years is good for all of us. And the next four years brings progress to this country. Thank you that these politicians will not have their way, but your way is what will happen in this country. Thank you that developments that will benefit every single citizen is what we see in the next four years and beyond in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your blessings upon this country, even in Jesus' mighty name. And thank you for the ministry of your word and the ministry of your spirit this morning as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. You may kindly take your seats in heavenly places where you belong those of us who voted for GUM we are we are also here we are in church yeah and those who voted for we are also here yes hallelujah but I hope you exercise your franchise I hope you voted it's very important you vote if you don't vote you are saying that you don't care about the country whether you like it or not someone is ruling us and he can say no to some things. Do you know close to 100,000 churches have been wiped out in this country since this COVID 19 issue came up? Yeah, because over 100,000 churches were in classrooms all around the country. And the government says no meetings in classrooms anymore. Yes. Kumasi has more than 10,000 of their churches in classrooms, branches, full ministries in classrooms you know, so every time you're praying, you have to pray for a government that will not wipe out Christianity someone posted something very interesting that it's not necessarily a Christian being in office that brings the agenda of God to pass because as a country, I think Eritrea also Eritrea is being ruled by I hope I'm right, it's being ruled by a president who is a Christian isn't it? He's a dictator, right? He's a totalitarian. And he has stopped evangelism. from. He's a Christian. No? And he has stopped evangelism from happening in his country. Yeah. It's amazing. So we have to pray the right prayers for the power of God to prevail in the country. Do you get it? So that people can be born again. And so that the, the word of God can prevail in our country. That's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Pray for development. You know, the problem I have with these politicians, especially MPP and NDC, is that when NDC comes and does something, let's say he's building a house for Ghanaians to enjoy and he finishes building it or he's halfway through and goes off and MPP comes, they will not continue. There's a very nice property. At, it's, really, it's really painful for me when I look at that particular project. You know, it's after Central University, they call it Saglemi or something like that. It's accommodation, housing project for about 5,000 people. 5,000 families. It is done Everything is fine. There's electricity, the water is there, everything is there. But nobody is living inside because it was done under the NDC government and NPP has come so they will not do anything about it. It's been there like that for the last four years. And they have won again, so it may go for another four years. You see the problem? Yeah. So that is something we should pray about that whoever comes into power will continue whatever has been done. And that they will not get into the idea of saying that I did this project and I did that project. Listen, we suffer. The ordinary Ghanaian is the one who ends up suffering, even though it is our money that they are using. Can you imagine? Uh-huh. So don't get don't get into hard political lines. Be wise. Like, be smart. Don't say, I am NPP. I, am N- I don't know why you would be like that. Be a floating voter. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about what I'm saying? Yeah. Be a floating voter. Don't just vote because your mother votes for NPP or NDC. Yeah. It means you've not started thinking yet. Mm? Yeah. Anyway. Mother party. You've moved from mother church to mother party. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I'm sharing concerning praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Do you like praising God? Do you like thanking God? You know, praise and thanksgiving always, say always, always. It always leads to the highest manifestation of God's power. Okay? It always leads to the highest manifestation of the power of God. Praise and thanksgiving is a, is a sure banker, if you like. It's like a sure thing, it's a principle that does not shake. Okay? The kingdom of God is run by principles, many, many principles. And last week I started sharing with you concerning the fact that we don't praise God or give or all the things we share with you, we can share on faith. Sometimes we say it's a month of faith, and we are talking about faith. We can say it's a month of the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm talking about the name of Jesus. We can say it's a month of this and that and that. The month of the spirits and all of those things. All the things we share with you are not to bring more blessings to you. All that we share with you are to help you manifest the blessings of God that is in your life. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You must understand that. The New Testament language is different from the Old Testament language. In the New Testament, everything has been made available it's like a child going to school. Let's say you come to university and you call for the Old Testament. I'm describing the Old Testament now. So every time you're in university, every time you need money, you call your father to send you money. Then he sends you money. You need 200 cities. He sends you 200 cities. And then you go to the ATM and then cash it. Do you see? Then the next time, oh, I need a thousand to buy books and buy this and buy handouts and all of that. They send it to you. He sends it to you. You call him you let him know and then he sends it to you. And then you go to the bank and go and cash it. No be so. But in the New Testament, it's not like that. In the New Testament, God has made everything available. So what I just described, God is the father. You are the student and the bank is the provision. He makes the provision as and when you needed it. That was in the Old Testament. But in the New, everything that you will ever need for your life, has been made available. It's already in the bank. You don't need to call him for anything. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, he meant it. Everything that needed to be done for you to have a glorious life, a wonderful life, has been made available. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, it's very important we get this difference because normally you have Christians crying unto God to get him to do something. But it doesn't work like that. Okay? It worked like that in the old, but in the new it doesn't work like that. It's different. Please, do you understand? Uh, the principles are slightly different. And it's very, very important to understand it. So that we don't go through some unnecessary things and have our minds on something that will never happen. Okay? The position of your mind or the state of your mind makes all the difference in your Christian work. For instance, I heard them singing a song. It's a very powerful song. We've sung it so many times. The glory, the glory of the Lord is coming down. It's never going to come down. It used to come down at first, but it has changed. The glory of God is entrusted in your spirit. If anything, it is flowing out of you. That's what you should say. The glory is flowing out of us. They changed it. What are you singing now? It's here right now. Beautiful. That is better. Please, do you understand. The language is so important. If you look at this, Second Peter chapter 1, let's read from verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as the divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He says he has given us all things, not some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's so important you understand this. So all that you need for your life has been given to you already. It's inside your spirit. Okay, All the money you need for your life is inside. Can you imagine? That it's not somewhere. It's not going to come from you. You don't pray to God for the money to come. The money is inside. Do you understand? All the glory you need is not from outside. It's inside. He's given it to you already. He's done it. He's handed everything over to you. So if you read in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I pray that the sharing, the effectiveness of your faith, the sharing of your faith may become effective The communication of your faith may become effective how by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in christ jesus that is why the holy spirit has been given to us to help us identify all the things that we have in christ because we are in christ we are now in god we are not outside of god god and us are not separate god is not somewhere you somewhere so you make requests from god no you are in him and he's in you please you understand what i'm saying so he says that the communication of your faith, the sharing of your faith may become, effectual, may, may become effective. You become effective, more effective as a child of God by acknowledging. So what happens in the New Testament now is you're acknowledging what is inside. The more you acknowledge what is inside, the more you think that what you need is inside, the more you produce results. Amazingly. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That not it? He didn't say the things that are going to be given to us of God when we pray and fast enough. The praying and the fasting is for the purpose of bringing what is inside us outside. Okay? The praise, the faith, the, everything that we do. In the New Testament, and our thought in church is to aid us to know how to put that power of God that is at work in us out there. Please, you understand. And last week I was trying to help you understand that particular fact. So when you are reading the Old Testament, there's a way to read the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament with the lenses of the new creature. If you read in Galatians 5, from verse 15, it says, "For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Are you in Christ? Are you born again?" Where are you now? You are in Christ, right? You are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amazing. That's, that's your spiritual location. You don't fast and pray to get to a certain spiritual location. Your, your location is already fixed. You are seated in heavenly places together in Christ Jesus. But do you know it? So it's all about the mind. He says, go to Colossians 3 verse, verse 1. We'll come back to this. If ye then be risen with Christ. Are you risen with Christ? Do you believe that you are risen with Christ? It's just if you are risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Have you seen it? Seek those things. Next verse. Excuse me. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Go back to verse 1. Let's read it in the Amplified. It will help you understand. Okay. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life. That's sharing his resurrection from the dead. Just imagine if you knew that you share his resurrection from the dead. It has happened. Okay, legally speaking, it has happened. God has done what he's supposed to do in Christ. But he wants you to know that he has done it. He wants you to know and know and know and know and know of a certainty without any shadow of doubt. That this is what I've done for you. So that it helps you become confident in life. The Old Testament folks were not confident in life. They weren't. A few of them who caught the revelation of the new creation, what was going to come ahead, had a certain kind of confidence. Someone like David. David did not live like an Old Testament saint. He didn't. He was so different from every one of them. Because he had a clear understanding of the covenants of God. Do you see? But it's unfortunate that we are now new creations and we we want to look like the old people. When a new thing has happened. He says you cannot keep new wine in old wine skins. It's so you will destroy your life. So a lot of Christians are destroying their lives because they had a new testament. But they want to live in the old. They speak with the language of the old. And think with the language of the old. And it's always a problem. He says if then you have been raised with Christ with a new life. That's sharing his resurrection from the dead. Aim at... And seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about the glory that we're singing about. The grace. Those are rich eternal treasures that are where you are seated in Christ. You see, it says aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then he shows you how to do it. Next verse. He shows you how to aim at and seek the rich treasures. And set your minds... And keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Have you seen it? He wants you to keep your mind on the higher things. Keep your mind on the fact that I'm dwelling in glory. I'm dwelling in grace. I do not lack anything. All things are mine. It will empower you so much. You will not sit in the bus and be afraid that the bus will crash. Because you know that you are the tabernacle of God living in that bus. What do you think about what I'm saying? You will not be afraid of death. Because you know what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 9. It says, God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Have you seen it? He's always talking with a certain sense of certainty when it comes to us. He always lets you know that you have grace. Look at this. It says, who has saved us and called us? He saved us. He's not trying to save us. He saved. Are you born again? Then you are saved. There's no need to start thinking about whether something you did makes you unsaved or not. Putting you in so much uncertainty. He doesn't want that for you. He wants your child, your son, does not have any sense of uncertainty whether you are his father or not. He doesn't have that. I don't know if you wonder if your father is your father. Nobody does that. You know that this is my dad. And because it's your dad, you don't have problems requesting for things. You don't have prob- You don't open the fridge and ask, Can I take the milk? Can you take the milk? The milk is there because of you. You don't struggle for a place to live. It's your father's responsibility. You just live, just be happy. Sometimes I tell my son, You are so blessed. Hey, you are so blessed. Because I didn't have some things that he has now. He, he went to America. The first time he went to America, he was three years old. The first time I went to America, I was 30 something years old. Can you imagine? Wow. He's blessed. Yeah. Why? Because he's just my child. The reason why you are blessed is because God is your father. You don't have to do anything. It's so important to understand. Or else there will be a back and forth all the time. It's like, oh, I, I don't know what has happened. You, it, it's not dependent on your feeling. You don't feel if your father is your father. You know he's your father. Yeah. Even when you are angry, you know he's your father. Yeah. Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. He says it's not, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Next verse. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought life. He has abolished death, and so there's no need to die. There's no need for you to be afraid of death. There are a lot of people who say, oh, "I'm afraid. I don't know if I will die tomorrow." Ah, what is wrong with you? Isn't tomorrow? You are not dying tomorrow until you have crossed eighty and ninety and hundred, depending on you. He satisfies his beloved of long life, and we are accepted in the beloved. So be confident. Tell you be confident. be confident. In who God has made you. In Christ Jesus. Don't go searching. For what you already have. So we are not praising and all of that because we want extra blessings. We are praising and all of that because we want to express what is inside us. So all the things we teach you in church are channels by which you express what is inside you. But these are principles that God has set in place so that you can enjoy. You can live out what is already inside. Yeah. Okay, so I was showing you how to read the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament with the light of the New Testament. Or with the light of the new creation. Go back to Galatians 6, 15. Let me read. Let me finish reading that. Then I'll start with what I want to share with you today, okay? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but the new creature. In Christ, are you in Christ? He says, the Old Testament does not avail anything. The Old Testament was comprised of circumcision and uncircumcision. Jew and Greek. In other words, right now things are different. In Christ, what matters is the new creature. Next verse. And as many as walk according to this rule, he calls the new creature a rule. The word rule is canon. Okay? It's like a spectacle. The word rule is a light. It is. I don't know how to explain it to you. You see, he's looking through a spectacle. The way he will see is different from the way we will see. If you put the spectacle on, you have spectacles on. Okay? If you put it on, you see things differently. So that's what he's trying to. He says, and as many as walk according to this rule, the word rule is canon. Peace be on them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. Let's read the amplifier. Probably amplifier to bring it out a little. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, who discipline themselves and regulate their lives by this principle. isn't it? Those who discipline their lives by this principle. Which principle? The principle of the new creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even upon the true Israel of God. There's a true Israel of God now. The new creature is the true Israel of God. Wow. wow. So you read the Old Testament with the light of the new. Do you understand? If you read the Old Testament and you see someone trying to get something from God. Remember that in the new. It's not like that. Remember. Remember. Alright. So important. What I just told you makes a world of a difference. It makes a world of a difference. It will change your life forever. <laughs> it's so sad how many Christians all around the world are trying very hard to get God's attention when God has given them attention a long time ago. Don't you understand? James 1.18. Look at James 1.18. It says, of his own will he begat us. Hmm? Of his own will of God's own will, he gave back to us with the word of truth, he gave it to us with his word of truth, that we should be a kind of fruit of his creatures. It is his own will. Did you send your father to give back to you no. when he gives back to you, he's not responsible for you. It is God's own will for of his own who he gave back to us. God is not an irresponsible father. He is the source of all fatherhood. He is the one from whom all fatherhood derives his name. He knows what it's about. He will not give back to you and ignore you. No. So you don't need to start seeking his attention. No. He's already in there. He gave back to you. He is responsible. He has not forgotten you. Tell me about God has not forgotten you. Even though God's children are many, he doesn't forget any of them. He says he cares for you affectionately and watchfully. First Peter 5, verse 7. He says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's read the amplified of this, okay? He's talking about you. He says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxiety, all your worries, and all your concerns. Some of you have concerns. You wonder, Will I have a child? Will I ever marry? Will I? He says, Cast all your concerns. Will I ever get a job? Will my business ever rise? Will my ministry ever get to a million people? It's a concern. Will my business ever make a million dollars? You see, I stopped talking about cities a long time ago. If you notice, I always talk about dollars. Because you're a millionaire in dollars. God told me about three years ago to start talking in dollars. Yes. That's what God told me. He says, don't talk about cities, talk about dollars. Yes. And refer to your people like that. That's what God told me. Yeah. And if you notice, that's what I've been doing. I don't say cities. Yes. Because that's what you are. So be what God has called you to be. He says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him, on God. For he cares for you. Wow. But does anybody care for you like God cares for you? Even your natural fathers forget about that sometimes. He says, he cares for you affectionately. God has feelings for you. And cares about you watchfully. He's watching to make sure you don't hit your leg against any stone. Watching to make sure you don't get hurt. You see the way when you're walking with a child, you always, you know, you block things from getting to the child's, you know, way. Something about will get him hurt. You protect him. He cares for you watchfully and affectionately. He's always watching to make sure you are kept in safety. That is how much God loves you. Some Christians prefer being spoken to in a different way. That God, you are not pleasing to God. If you do A, B, C, D, then you'll be pleasing to God. And as you are doing, they'll tell you, hey, you need to bring a thousand Ghana cities to make sure that you are more pleasing to God. No, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. If we didn't see Jesus taking money from the people for consultation, anyone who wanted to see Jesus was allowed to see Jesus. You didn't need to pay anything to go and see him. If our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they don't do that. Why are you doing that in the New Testament? It's not supposed to be like that at all the prophets of old did that but jesus who is our lord and savior did not do that and he told them you don't know the spirit with which you are working there's a new spirit with which we are working now it's not that of the old james and john wanted to call fire down to burn the whole of samaria you know because they they said they didn't have accommodation for jesus jesus was passing through samaria to go to jerusalem and the the samaritans thought he would stay and do some crusades there but Jesus was not going to stay. He was going to pass through. He wanted to spend the night and pass through and go. So he sent disciples ahead of him. To go and find accommodation for him. And when they went, the people said no. We are not going to give him accommodation because he's not going to stay here. And do a crusade here. So James and John, who were the ones who were sent, came back and said, Master, they said they will not allow us to stay here. Should we call down fire to burn them? We want to call down fire to burn them like Elijah did. Elijah sat on a stone. You know, the king of Israel has sent for them to come for him. A captain with 50 soldiers. When they come, he said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down to burn you. They were just messengers who had been sent from the king. He killed 200 people with fire. He calls down the fire, burns them. Calls down fire and burns them. I tell you, dragon Elijah. He was just burning them, I tell you. with, with just, just for fun. You know, and James and John wanted, because we were experiencing the power of God, They so wanted to do the same thing. Jesus said, don't do that. You don't know the spirit with which you are working now. It's, it's, it's there Luke chapter 9. Go back, go back to verse 54. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, would that, that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah, Elijah did? We want to do that. What do you think? Look at it. And, said, and Jesus rebuked them. He turned and rebuked them. He rebuked them sharply. He was very angry at them. And said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Next verse. For the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives. But to save them. And they went to another village. Let's go to another village. We are not come to destroy men's lives. We have come to save men's lives. That's why Jesus came. Wow. What a blessing. So things in the new are different from things in the old. Don't look at some Old Testament prophet want to be like that Old Testament prophet. The one you should want to look like is Jesus Christ. That lowly man of Galilee who had all power but saved men's lives instead of destroying men's lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, read the old with the new in mind. Okay? So I said praise and thanksgiving always leads to the highest manifestation of the power of God, which is resident in us. And it is clearly demonstrated in the Old Testament and in the New. Clearly. If you read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 from verse 21, look at 2 Chronicles 20, 21. And when he had consulted with the people, this is concerning a man called Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was in trouble. Go to verse 1. Go to verse 1, chapter 20, verse 1. It came to pass, after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So, three different countries with other people. And it came to pass that the children of Moab one, the children of Ammon two, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Next verse. Then came that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Taban, which is Engedi. Next verse. And Joseph had feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast toward all Judah. He was afraid. It was not easy for him because he was in big trouble. The allies were at stake. These countries, you know, Mount Seir is also mentioned as one of the countries that came against them at this time. Can you imagine if Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, Togo, and Nigeria, and Benin all mount up at the borders of our country? Ready to take over our country. What are you going to do? Your life is at stake. Your children's lives are at stake. Everything is at stake. He did not run away. He went to seek God. And as he sought God, God showed him what to do. And when God showed him what to do, he told him, put praises in front of the army. Stand as though you are coming to fight. But put praises. Let people praise the beauty of holiness. So go to verse 21. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Huh? Okay, let's do verse 20 to 21. 20 to 21, please. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Because he had had a prophet saying that they should put singers in front of the army. I mean, what kind of life is that? We are coming to fight. You say we should put musicians in front of the army. So just imagine what I described to you. All these countries have come to come and fight Ghana. And then the Ghanaian president says, Okay, Jometo, uh, Sissichung, um, uh, who are the others? Oh, Dana Hamilton. We are going to fight. So you guys should stand in front of the, the battle. Praise Lead praises and worship right now. Start thanking God. What will you say? The president is not a serious president. Right then, and then you vote him out of power, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> You won't preach him. This is what this king did. Because he had been led by God. So before he said, he said believe in the prophets. If you believe in the prophets, you shall prosper. Believe in God, you shall be established. This is what God is saying. We should put musicians in front. So they put the musicians in front. For what purpose? To praise the beauty of his holiness. The beauty of God's holiness. Look at the next verse. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy and joy forever. They were at war and were praising God for his mercy. What a contradiction. War is coming, yet you are thanking God for his mercy. Not complaining, but they were thanking God for his mercy. Praise the Lord for his mercy and joy forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy and joy forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy and joy forever. And we're praising God and marching into battle. Next verse. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Moab, among Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah and they were smitten. Let's read the Amplified of this. You don't understand ambushments. Okay, this one to say ambushments. Do you know ambush? <laughs> Ambushment. An attack. At the very moment, this is NLT, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Manser to start fighting among themselves. They just started fighting among themselves. Look at the next verse. In NLT. The armies of Moab and Ammon, eh? Am- Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Manser and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. The, everybody died in that battle. Close to a million people marched against Israel. Israel did not have to fight with one sword. Nobody fought with a sword. Nobody. The last two people who were left in the battle pierced each other and died together. Just like that. Praises and thanksgiving. Always. I said not sometimes. Always always gets results. It always brings the highest manifestation of God's power. Nobody knows what happened in their camp. The Bible says that Israel did not have to fight. Look at the next verse. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Everybody died. Next verse. King Joshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. All the army came to come and collect. Three days collecting property. Yes. This is what praises us. And there are several accounts in the Bible. Several accounts in the Old Testament. It's one of the major tools. I mean, it was a major strategy that God had. His final one at that. It was for emergencies only. When they got to a point where it was too much for them, God told them, praise, praise me. Just praise me. Same thing happened at Jericho. The walls of Jericho were so high that you could have six chariots running side by side. Six chariots, six cars can drive this way, and another six cars can drive the other way. On the wall, that was how thick the wall was. Can you imagine? It was not a single wall like this that we see here. This is not a wall. This is uh, this is something else. That was the wall, and there was no way. It was impregnable. You could not go in there. God told the children of Israel, "Go around Jericho." He told them, "You are going to shout for praise to praise me." But for the first six days, I want you to understand what you are coming to do. So go around quiet. Just meditate on the fact that when you shout, something is going to happen. They went round and round and round and round for six days. And the people were wondering what was wrong with them. Yeah. Look at this. Are they, here? are they serious about fighting at all? <laughs> they are just marching around us. And on the seventh day, after the sixth round, on the seventh round, they shouted the glory of the Lord. They shouted the praise of God. And the Bible says that the wall the did not fall down flat. Though. It sank into the ground. God stepped on that wall. The angel of the Lord stepped on that wall. Eh? This is Joshua 6, verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. That word fell down flat actually it sank. It sank into the ground. It fell down flat because if it had fallen down flat, on the, it would have fallen down on them. It went down. Someone stepped on it. <laughs> so that the people went up into the city every man straight before him and they took the city It always not sometimes, always and you see, Jesus who is God when he came on earth, used the same principle when he came, so in John chapter 11 let's read John chapter 11 from verse 35 when Jesus got to the highest this was the highest demonstration of the power of God that was resident in him it was at the tomb of Lazarus Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus had brought someone from the dead who had been dead for hours. Some few hours. Some few minutes. Do you see? But this one, he had been dead for four days and had been buried. I mean, the spirit is not just around. He's gone. He's really gone. He's not just around. He's gone. Pa. So the first ones, you see that oh, the spirit was just around so you could call them. But this one, the spirit was He's gone. When he just got to the tomb, he started, he wept. Next verse. Next verse. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Oh, he loved him so much. He was not weeping because he loved him. He was weeping because of the people. Because he had told them that if you believe, anything is possible. You will see the power of God. I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. He had told them. Next verse. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that, may, that even this man should not have died? And we were saying it in his ears. As he was there, he was saying it into his ears. He was just angry with them. Next verse. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself. He was just groaning in himself. You know, speaking in tongues and groaning in himself. Coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Next verse. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of, me, of him that was there said unto him, Lord, by this time he's thinking, for he has been dead for this. Martha could attest to the fact that it is, it is a hopeless situation. By now he's thinking, Oh, why are we opening the door? Oh, Jesus. But they did it anyway. Jesus said unto her, "Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Next verse. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Jesus came to work his biggest miracle. This was the highest. Working on water was very powerful. But bringing the dead back to life after four days is not a joke. It's a big deal. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou has heard me. He started praising God. Why was he saying that thou has heard me? Because when he said Lazarus was dead, he said, let us go and go and wake him for he's asleep. He said that before he got to the tomb. And he knew that his father had him then. So when he got there, he said, I thank you, I'm just giving you praise. He started praising God. The word thank you is Eucharist. Eucharist. It means to give praise to God to give praise to him. He gave thanks that God had heard him. So your first giving here is too powerful. All ungrateful children of God have a very slim chance of having the power of God expressed in their lives. The power of God is inside, but it will not be expressed. Frustration is the share of all who do not thank God and all who do not learn to praise him. And he called Lazarus, okay, let's Verse 42. And I knew that thou hears me always. But because of the people who stand by, I said it. That they may believe that thou has sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. He called Lazarus as though you call someone who is inside the room somewhere. John, come. He just called him like that. Lazarus, come. No, you know, no drumming and dancing. Hey, the power is coming. Let your power come down let your power come. Then the pastor would just be shaking. Eh? Eh? There was nothing like that. He said, Lazarus, come. come. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out. This is that Jesus who is inside you. What a shock. You see, one of the reasons why you need to read the Gospels a lot is because he is the one who is inside. The one whom it is written concerning is the one who is inside you. So that you will know who is inside you. Don't say greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are talking about Jesus Christ who is in you. Christ in you is the highest revelation of the New Testament. The more you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the more you get to know who is inside you. Yeah, You will never know who is inside you until you read those ones. When you read them, you'll get to understand, Wow! When I stretch forth my hands, that guy, that guy, that lowly man of Galilee has stretched forth his hands. When I look, that lowly man of Galilee is looking. He says, He shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. He prolongs his days through you and I. Jesus is still alive because he's in you. He's in you. And he's depending on you to let people know that he's alive. When you see the sick, don't run away. The one who's in you, he the a sick. Lay hands on that sick person. Pray for that sick person. Nobody in your family should just die like that. Not when you are around. They should take permission from you before they die. Yeah. Nobody's permitted to die. So I said that praise and thanksgiving... Always. Say always. always. So how come you have been doing praises every Sunday and you don't see some things? That's a question to answer. How come? How come we do praises? How come very few of us see some kinds of results, some kinds of manifestations of the power of God that is resident in us when we praise and thank? I want to answer that question for you. If you catch what I'm telling you, Okay. Like Pastor Kobe said, you have this emergency ability there all the time. So I want to help you know. I've preached on praise and thanksgiving on, on a number of occasions, but this time around, God is prompting me to let you know how to do it. For maximum results. One young man in Nigeria, you know, a lot of things happens in Lagos. Kidnappings and all of that. I mean, Our Nigerian friends and brothers here know what I'm talking about. A whole bus can be kidnapped. A whole VIP bus, they've kidnapped everybody in the bus for slaughter, for rituals. So a bus like this was kidnapped. And there was this young man in there who knew he was a child of God, but he wasn't just a child of God. He knew. You you can be a child of God and be be slaughtered. All because you don't know. They know not, neither do they understand. That's why we come to church. We don't come to church because we don't have anything to do. <laughs> it's like it's one of the things we do. We have to be in church. No, we come to church because we are come to receive the knowledge of God. Okay? That will be triggered when you're in trouble. It's triggered when trouble comes. When trouble comes, you know that you know something. If trouble comes and nothing happens, you should know that you were in church, but you were not listening to what we were saying. That is why coming to church and hearing, it's not just coming, hearing what is being said and taking it to heart, laying it to heart is so important. It is a personal thing. It is not a general, a group thing. You don't come to church because of the pastor, because of me. Why? What will I do for you? I can't do much for you. You come to church because of the word of God. It will be explained for you to understand it. So that when you are in trouble, you will know what to do. Because when the trouble comes, I will not be there. When you are having difficulty breathing, I will not be there. You may not have time to call me. And what you may call at 1 a.m., I may be sleeping. So it's not about me. It's about you and the Holy Spirit, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the reminding spirit. He reminds you of whatsoever has been said to you. He shall bring it to your mind. So, this young man was kidnapped together with all these people. There are two different testimonies along this line. You know, one of them was in Christ Embassy. The other one was in Nantia's in church. So, I'm talking about the Christ Embassy guy's uh, experience. When they got there, he was so afraid. Because they, they were in a line and they were butchering them. So, they call you, you get there, they butcher you. They call you, you get there, they butcher you. And I know some of them, I'm sure some of them were Christians. But fear took over their hearts. Not faith. Do you see? Yeah. Huh. Their first response was fear. Sometimes you get into a situation, and your first response is fear. But you must recompose yourself and walk in faith. It's not a problem when fear comes. What you do after the fear makes all the difference. Okay? As you grow up in the Lord, your first response becomes faith all the time. But as you're growing, you may notice that something happens. but then you, no, 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 no Charlie, this thing, we can do it, by the power of the Holy Ghost. So they were killing them, one by one, and it was almost his turn, it was one person before his turn. Then he remembered, he said messages that his pastor had preached started coming up. The Holy Spirit reminded him of a message that pastor had preached, that if they kidnap you, (laughs) if they kidnap you, they have kidnapped the ark of God. And it's a truth. It is the truth you are the ark of covenant, you are the tabernacle of God. That is what you are. You are the tabernacle of God. If someone takes you, he has picked up God Himself. First Corinthians 16. Look at First Corinthians 3 16. Knowing not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, you are the temple of God. you are the very tabernacle of God now. In the old testament, they had the ark of covenant. Whenever you are reading about the ark of Covenant, think about yourself. As you are reading about it, think about you. They kidnapped the Ark of Covenant and took it to the land of the Philistines and put it in front of their gods, Dagon. When they woke up and came, Dagon's hands was broken. Then they said, hey, what is happening? Then they, they, they put up his hands once again and then went again. When they came again, the head of Dagon had broken. They said, hey, what is going on? Then they put the, the head back on. Then they went and came but When they came back, Dagon had broken into pieces. They couldn't do anything about it. And everybody in the town had boils. That would not go. You, yeah, the Bible says it was in their secret places. It was in their secret places. Around their reproductive systems. Yeah. It's in the Bible. I'm not the one saying, it. but the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod. This is First Samuel 5, 6. And he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds. Even Ashdod and their coats. Coast everybody there. Emeralds is actually boils. I don't know if other versions will help us with it. Amplify. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon the people of Ashdod and he caused mice to spring up and there was very deadly distraction, and he smote the people with very heavy tumors and, or boils with both Ashdod and his territories. Everybody. The king had it. You go and sleep, you wake up and you can't, you can't there's a, everything around your your bottoms. Wow! When someone kidnaps you he has kidnapped God, so the guy remembered that ah, I'm the ark of, of God, I'm the ark of God, I'm the tabernacle of God, and he started speaking in tongues. He said, "What can happen if, they, if I speak in tongues, they, they will kill me. If I don't speak in tongues, they will kill me. So what do I do? Let me just speak in tongues." There was another person by him who was a lady. That was the, she was the one after. They were the last two, and the lady was a Christian, but she was also full of fear. When he heard his he speaking in tongues, she also started speaking in tongues. And you know, if you've read your Bible, you know that speaking in tongues is a magnification to God. The first time he spoke in tongues, he spoke in tongues and magnified God. And spoke of God's great works, which he has done. So speaking in tongues is a means of praising God, magnifying God. As he spoke in tongues like that, the butcher, inside, Said, hey, it's okay. Tell those people to keep quiet. It's okay. We have done for the day. You can take them away. Take them away. And that was how they escaped. They took them away and went to drop them somewhere for them to go home. Go home. You can go home. Go home. In the other case, that guy was just singing praises to the Lord. They had kidnapped them and were taking them to the forest to go and butcher them. As they were taking them, he was just singing to the Lord. Then they got to a point point. they said, okay, everybody should sit down. And when they sat down, he sat down by a train. So he was just praising God. Singing to the Lord. Singing to the Lord. Creator of the universe. As they were going to kill him, what can you do? What do you do when you are faced with challenge, with trouble? Will it be fear? Hey, 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 no. Don't let it be fear. That's why you need to listen to the word of God. Just let it be on autoplay. Everywhere. Let it enter you. Do you understand? Let it just enter you. And as he was singing like that, he closed his eyes briefly. When he closed his eyes and opened his eyes, he was sitting by the highway. He was sitting by the highway. He had moved from the forest to the highway. In a second. He was just sitting there and he closed his eyes. Just thank you, Lord. When he opened his eyes, he was not there in the forest. He was gone. I'm sure there were Christians in in the line. So Christianity is not a tag. It's not a name tag. It's not a name tag. It's not a name tag. It's more than that. You need to be serious with it. Okay? You should be very serious with it. So, it always, always, always gets results. Always gets results. Now, why? Like I I said, why? Is it that you don't have a certain kind of results? It's because you don't engage your heart in praising. Praise and thanksgiving must spring from the heart. It's not a matter of lip service. Or an outward thing. Okay? Praise and thanksgiving must what? Must spring from the heart. It's not a lip thing or an outward thing. This is the reason why many people, many Christians don't get a certain kind of result when they praise. If you praise from your heart, from the recesses of your heart, you will get your results. It's a sure banker. It's a sure banker. If you read in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Look at Matthew 15, 8. I've had that before. I've, I've had testimonies with praise. And I shared some with you the last time. Yeah. It was when we praised God out of our hearts, knowing that listening only God can do it. We got a miracle. He says, this people joined nigh unto me with their mouth and anred me. The word anareth means to praise, to praise God, to honor God. If you honor somebody, you sing, the person's praises, isn't it? Anna means to sing the person, to appreciate the person. To thank the person. You get it? He says, and Anna me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. It's not supposed to be like that. Don't let your heart be far from God. Your heart is the center of your being. The real you. The Greek word is cardia it means your innermost person. Okay? You praise God from within. Don't let it be a lips thing. So sometimes you can be singing a song. We are dancing, we are singing, but our hearts are not engaged. You are not expecting anything from it. Jesus, what I'm talking about. There's no expectation. We are just dancing and sweating. When you go home and they ask you, what did you do in church? We danced. It was a very big dance. It's not enough to just dance. When you're dancing, you should know exactly what you're doing. You should dance with expectation. Sicknesses can vanish. Without any, any human agency. What I'm telling you now is too important. Like I said, it's the highest expression of God's power. Highest. Highest. So don't do a lip thing, okay? Don't do a lip thing, just a physical thing. The glory, the glory of the Lord is here right now. No, you don't just sing it with your mouth. Don't just honor God with your lips. Honor God with your heart. From the recesses of your heart. From your innermost being. And you will know when something is out of your heart. You know. Your mind is on it. You see, to your heart is connected your mind and your spirit. The heart is the junction between the spirit and the soul. Do you see? The word of God is sown in your heart. Not in your spirit. Your spirit man is saved. But your spirit man needs the word of God to be sown in your heart so that you can have expression through your soul and hence to your body. Your heart has thoughts. If you read in Hebrews 4.12-13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. Then it says, And it is a designer of the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. So, the heart has thoughts and has intents. Your innermost thoughts are from your heart, not from your mind. They are thoughts that you engage with your heart. So, as you are praising God, engage your heart in what you are doing. This is it. As I'm praising God, this is it. This is it. That sickness is leaving my body. You jump one and the sickness is gone. You'll be surprised. That challenge is vanishing. And it will vanish. Not just praising and looking around with everybody. Hey, hey, it's coming. No, it's more than that. Engage your heart. Okay? I want to show you some more scriptures to help you. Look at Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19. 30 verse 19. And out of them shall proceed. Thanksgiving. Out of them. Out of their spirits. Out of their hearts. Shall proceed. Thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them. It is when it comes out of them, then I'll multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. So your increase is in praising God out of your heart, out of the recesses of your being, out of your spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes the heart and the spirit are interchangeably used because of how close they are. Do you see? Out of your heart, out of them shall proceed. And amazingly, God has given us an engine for bringing thanksgiving out of our spirits. There's an engine. Say there's an engine. Of thanksgiving. And praise. Inside us. So you can bring it out at any time. All you need to do is to give it to your attention. You see, your attention is so important. Your mind is so important in everything when it comes to the things of the spirit. The things of the Spirit cannot begin to happen if your mind is not set on it. That's why it says, set your mind on things about. So when we say, do it with your heart, what we are saying is that set your mind on that particular thing, on what you are doing. Do you understand? It's important. If you are praising God in a clueless fashion, in a clueless way, you are not ready for anything. You are not ready for the power to show forth. But when you are praising God with your mind on what you are doing, Intentionally doing what you're doing, knowing that this, as I'm as I'm singing like this, sometimes you can be singing and you're not thinking about the words. You are singing the prayer, but you're not thinking about the words. Psalm 46, verse 4. Oh, hallelujah! With all of your heart, out of them shall proceed what? Thanksgiving. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Do you have ISV? Let me read the ISB to you. Speaking in the language of the Spirit for two seconds. Ledo Hosha. ISB says, Look, there is a river whose streams make the city of God rejoice. Even the holy place of the Most High. There is a river whose streams make the city of God rejoice. The river makes the city of God rejoice. And that city of God is the holy place of the Most High. What is the holy place of the Most High? You and I, right? I we know the holy place of the Most High. This is what I meant when I said when you're reading the Old Testament. Read it with you in mind. Read it with the new creation in mind. You are now the holy place of Israel. You are now the holy place of God. Is it true? If you read in 2 uh, Corinthians 6, verse 14 to verse 16, look at it. Go to that place. Be ye not only calling you together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what fellowship has he that. Go to the next verse, please. Verse 15. And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? Next verse. And what agreement has a temple of God? He calls you the temple of God with idols. For ye are. Say, I am. I am. The, temple the temple of God. says, ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. You are now the temple of God. Then he says that there's a river that makes us glad. That brings continuous rejoicing and thanksgiving and praises. That is inside. What river is that? The river is the Holy Spirit who is in us. John chapter 7 verse 37. In the last day of the feast, that great day... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And But this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So that river is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the river of joy. He is the reservoir river of joy that flows out of our spirits. That makes us glad. That makes us rejoice. Please, are you understanding? And the Holy Spirit is always inside you. Meaning that when you focus on Him, even in a second, you will praise out of your heart. You will not praise out of your mouth, out of your whatever. You will praise out of your heart. Because it's inside. So real true praise, that brings results it's embedded in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because it's inside us. Are you in the church? If you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in sounds and hymns. The very first evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, what shows forth first when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, is praise. Praise. Real praise. Real and true praise. That brings the manifestation of the power of God for whatever it is that you want to see. And all you need to do is to focus on what you are doing. Focus on the Holy Spirit who is inside you. When you are jumping, jump knowing that I'm jumping out of my heart. As I'm jumping, whatever is blocking my progress, I'm jumping above it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And that jump will not be a meaningless jump you'll be surprised at what will be happening around you. So he says, speaking to yourselves in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So real praise, real thanksgiving is from within. It's from your heart. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12. Look at Jeremiah 29, 12. Then we'll come back to this. Then shall ye call up upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. This is God talking. He says, you shall pray unto me. and I'll listen. Next verse. And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You see, we are not finding him because he's inside us. In our case, so we read this this way. As we worship him, as we praise him, and do it with all of our hearts. Out with our attention on him. I don't know if you are getting it. And he shall seek me. We don't seek him. He's inside. And find me. We don't find him. We know he's inside. When he shall search for me with all your heart. He says, if you want to know that I'm really inside you and if you want to see my power work and if you want to experience me all you need to do is to search for me with all your heart. But in our case we don't search for him. We focus on him in us. Please do you understand? Uh-huh. We focus on him. Our searching for him is in our focusing on him in us. And that's what it means when you say you are engaging your heart. When we say you are engaging, someone has engaged his heart in this particular thing. It means that he has focused on God in him. Because he's in us. We are his temple. He's in us. He's in us. Say he's in us. And as you focus on him like that. In your praise. You see his power showing forth. Like that. Go back to Ephesians chapter five. We just read verse 19. Let's read 19. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody Lord in your heart to the Lord. Next verse, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm using it. When you're filled with the spirit, the ultimate thing that happens is that you give thanks. You give him you praise him, you thank him, you praise him, you thank him, and that one comes with meaning. And that one brings us results in every single thing that we are doing. You see, there's a difference between praise, thanksgiving, and faith. I said that praise and thanksgiving is the highest manifestation of faith, isn't it? Look at Psalm Psalm 69. Psalm 69 verse 30. Psalm 69 verse 30. I will praise the name of the Lord, the name of God, with a song. Meaning that singing is a means of praising God. And I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a means of magnifying him. Are you seeing it? Next verse. This also, my singing and my making melody is pleasing to the Lord. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that has horns and hoofs. Meaning that the, no matter the sacrifice, the, the biggest sacrifice cannot be compared to your praise and your thanksgiving. That is done out of your heart to the Lord. He says, I will be pleased with it. I will be pleased with it. I like it. So praise and thanksgiving is pleasing to God. Just as faith is pleasing to God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 6. Keela Ada. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He says praise and thanksgiving is pleasing to God and faith is pleasing to God. However, praise and thanksgiving is the highest manifestation of pleasing God. The highest level of pleasing God. Are you in the church? It's the highest manifestation of your faith. In the midst of your trouble. Why? Because when you praise God, something happens. When you praise God engaging your heart, knowing what you are doing, something happens. Do you want to know what happens? Let me show it to you. Tell me, but let me show it to you. Lero, O man. Psalm 22, verse 3. This is it. Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, all thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel, He says, thou art holy. He's talking to God. He says, God is holy. Who inhabits? He lives in the praise of Israel. So when you praise God, eh, God who is inside you comes out of that praise. He lives literally in praises. He literally lives in praises. God literally, not figuratively. He literally lives in praise. That is why in the Old Testament, when they began to praise, the Bible says that he set an ambushment you get God to work when you praise Him with meaning, when you praise Him with your heart. God literally lives in, He habits the praise. So praise is like, a, it's like an arrow that you throw. And the arrow is God. What? That is why when Paul and Silas were singing and praising the Lord in that prison. That prison house had to shake. It shook and their chains fell off. Why? Because God was there. You see, God was there in them. God was there in them. But when they started singing, they started releasing God. Oh, Liga hada. May the Lord grant us understanding. The Lord should grant us understanding. So every time praise goes forth, he says he inhabits. God lives in the praise of his people. He inhabits the praise. It didn't change in the new. It's the same. It was the same in the old and it's the same in the new. That is why praise is so powerful. Because God is inside. If you praise with your heart, if you engage with your heart, not just with your mouth, with your heart, you release God. He's able to do exceeding, abundantly above. So God does some things in the New Testament. He does. God is into doing things. God's work has not stopped. God still continues to do things. Do you see? That was why when... Um, Stephen was dying and he said that don't lay it to their charge. Because what they are doing, they do not know. Jesus stood up. Jesus is supposed to be seated in heavenly places at, at the right hand of God. But he stands every now and then. He stands to do something. Praise is one of the things that gets him to stand. I said God inhabits. He literally inhabits the praise of his people. That is where the thing is. He literally inhabits the praise of his people. When you praise with meaning... You are releasing bombs of God. I tell you. And anything. I don't know what will happen when God shows up. Just try to wrap your mind around what happens when God shows up. If God shows up. Literally shows up. Amazingly. When we praise. With meaning. With our hearts. With our hearts. Tell me about it with your hearts. The Lord inhabits. This is amplified. It says, you are holy. All oh, you who dwell in the holy place. Where the praise of Israel are offered. This one changes. But he's talking about dwelling in the praise. In the praise. Literally. That is why someone stepped on that wall of Jericho. God was there. He stepped on the wall. He made all things. I'm sure he used his little finger to push it down. So from hence, when you are praising, engage your hearts, engage God. Engage God. Focus on God. Focus on the mightiness of God. The mightiness of God. He says, talk about my my works of old. What hasn't he done? The blast of his nostrils divided the Red Sea. What can't he do? That was the question. What can't he do? What is your problem? What is your situation? Don't worry. Praise him. As you praise him like that, every devil that has held you down in any way, We'll have God showing up and God will say, my friend, what are you doing here? I tell you. If you ever think of sending God, if you ever think of sending God, start praising Him. Hallelujah. The way to send God is to praise. The way to manifest that power that is resident in you. I said it is the highest though. It is the highest expression. Amazingly, something as simple and as easy as that. The influence of the Spirit is what bring, It brings that to you. Real praise. Real thanksgiving. And you will see things working. I don't, I don't know what you want to see. I don't know what you are looking for. But the, the cracks in which miracles, signs, and wonders are found. The crucible in which they are found is, in the, is the crucible of praise and thanksgiving. That's why when they wanted God to move in a certain way in their day, in Acts chapter 4, when they were challenged. The Bible says that they started praying to God. Acts chapter 4 verse twenty-five. Go to 24. This is it. But and when they heard that, they, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, "Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven. What were they doing? They were praising God. Were they reminding God who He was? No, they were reminding themselves who God is in their life. You, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You made everything." Who is Herod? Who is Pilate? Who are those people? The more you praise God there, the more you know how small your problem is. You magnify your knowledge concerning God. Above whatever that is around. Wow. And God shows up. Literally. The New Testament makes us know that God literally shows up. Because every time there was any form of praise and thanksgiving. Literally. Next verse. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why does the hidden rage and the people imagine vague things? Next verse. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. They were just telling God what had happened. Then at the last one, he said, Stretch forth your hands. Stretch forth they praised him to the point that they could tell him, Stretch forth your hands. Can you tell God? Do you know who you are talking to? This is God. But when you praise him, you can tell him, stretch forth your hands. He says, by stretching forth your hand, Go to verse 29 to 30. So that I read it. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Look at their threatenings. Lord, look at their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth their, your hands. That miracles for thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And the place where they were. Whenever you praise him, there's a shaking. Next verse. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking. Their prayer was actually praise. Have you noticed this? It was praise. It was praise. And the whole place was shaking when they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they speak the word of God with boldness. Yeah. So when you praise God like that, things shake. I tell you. Tell me about things shake. Because God inhabits the praise of his people. Praise is well pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Will you praise God out of your heart? Rise up and thank Him for your you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless